any sense. Okay. When I was in fifth grade, I had a crush on Heather Brumpton. <laughs> Blonde hair, cute, and the most important factor in the relationship of an elementary school boy to a girl is her, how, how fast she is. That's exactly right. Right? Tell me that speed, it's always like you go home and you tell your parents she's the fastest girl. Like that was, that was super important for some reason. I don't know why. I wanted to ask her out, but like all fifth grade boys, I didn't know how were the first thing about girls. And some of the other guys in class had girlfriends. And uh, I remember thinking I wanted one too. And so one day I did what came natural, the smartest thing I could think of. I took out a small piece of paper and I wrote, will you go out with me? And I put three boxes, yes, no, maybe. <laughs> so it's like the ever hopeful, maybe. <laughs> Folded it up, just out of curiosity. Anybody else done this before? Let me see a hand. <laughs> Logan, Logan with your ladies. And you, you as well, did it work? It did, he got a box check, no? Uh, all of his success with the ladies, Logan's ladies. Anyway, uh, down the aisle it went. My heart was pounding, and the teacher was droning on and on in the background. I have no idea what Ms. Sherman was talking about. And do you remember your fifth grade teacher's name, Ms. Sherman? And, and all I could think about was, what's she going to do? It seemed like forever. My hands were sweating even more than they normally did. And uh, then it started coming back down the aisle, and it finally got into my hand. And I opened it up, and the box checked. Yes, was right there, and I had a girlfriend, Heather Brumpton. Then all of a sudden, it terrified me. I didn't know what to do. So I gave her my calculator watch to wear. Do you know what a calculator watch is? This is pre, imagine an Apple watch, but all it has is a bunch of little, little, little tiny buttons on there where you could do mathematical equations. I don't know why, but that was all the rage when I was in fifth grade. And so I gave her my calculator watch to wear, and then I ignored her for the next three months. Like literally we never talked whatsoever because I didn't know what to say or what to do. It was horrible. And then I decided to break up with her because we didn't even really have a relationship. And when I asked her for my watch back, she ran away crying. And at that point, I realized, I don't know what I'm doing in relationships. I am clueless. Well, it doesn't get better. As you get older, relationships just get more complicated, right? Talking about um, guy-girl relationships. And I, I was working at a restaurant called The Chart House. That's where Trace and I were working before we got married. And even after we got married, it's in Malibu, really nice place, waited on a bunch of movie stars, awesome. Um, opens up onto the ocean, dolphins going by, sun setting into the water. It was like picturesque, amazing. And so we had engagements happening all the time. There was a golfer named Freddie Couples. I think he's retired. I don't even know if he still golfs, but professional golfer. And I waited on him when he got engaged. The diamond was about this, the size of a golf ball. And he had a plane fly by, will you marry me? That was kind of cool. But one day, this guy came in and he was there early and he got it all set up ahead of time that um, he was going to get out of his chair, get down on one knee. He was on his table out by the water. And when, when he got down on one knee, there was somebody running down with roses and somebody else coming down with the carafe like, of ice. It's a stand. He put the champagne in there and two champagne glasses and to celebrate and all this stuff. So we all knew about it on the serving, serving staff that were there. And so this guy, we're all kind of gathered around. Everybody from the kitchen is looking in. It's the, kind of this moment, right? And so all of a sudden he stands up and he kind of turns so everybody would know what's happening. 
And he goes, he gets down on one knee next to her and she looks over and down at him and she just goes like this. And pulls his hand up and sits him down in the chair. And all of us, just like bugs, we're like, we're gone. You know, it was really, really sad. Or there's a story about the dentist in Poland who was recently dumped by her boyfriend and asked uh, to help him with a toothache just days after their really bad breakup. And she said, quote, I tried to be professional, detach myself from my emotions. But when I saw him lying there, I just thought, what a jerk, end quote. She then gave him a massive dose of anesthetic and coldly pulled out all of his teeth one by one. He said, quote, I knew something was wrong because when I woke up, I couldn't feel any teeth and my jaw was strapped up with bandages, end quote. Now, I checked that story on Snopes. It didn't actually happen. But, but it gets the point across that once slighted, we get pretty upset, et cetera. And this, the simple reality is that relationships are a serious Relationships are a seriously crazy part of life. How's that? We're in a world that is filled with them, right? You have relationships with all sorts of people, the people sitting around you, the people that you drive on the freeway with in some weird way, people in class, your family, which is probably the strangest of all. And what we're going to talk about in this series, specifically people of the opposite sex, but wherever we go, there are problems in our relationships, aren't there? Because as those who are sinners, we bring trouble into every relationship that we have. Never once in your life has there been a relationship that hasn't had any problems. And it's easy for us to blame the other people and find all the faults in them. And very seldom do we look back at our own selves and recognize we're at least 50%. And if you're a guy, probably typically 75% of the problem. All right, so that's, that's usually how it goes. But relationships are a part of our life. And so for the next six, seven weeks, we're gonna embark on this series that I entitled Relationships, The Greatest Paradox. And let me give you just a few opening thoughts to set our direction and our expectations for the series. So if you were in class right now, these would be like the prerequisites that you need to know in order to take my dating series. You need to have these prerequisites down. So these are just opening thoughts. There's like five, maybe four or five, six, seven, 12 of them. Uh, the first one. First one, as we embark on a series on relationships. By the way, are you excited to talk about relationships or no? Yeah. Some of you are. Some of you, you all are, but some of you are scared to admit it. That's fine. Okay, opening thought number one. Sean Farrell is happy to be on this side of marriage. Write that down in your notes. You're going to need that later. No, that's not, that was just a joke. But that's actually the first point here. You don't need to write it down. You can. Because here's why. Relationships, they are... Um, you have butterflies, right? You don't talk like Heather Brumpton wearing my calculator watch was an amazing thing for me. First experiences, excitement. I mean, think about all that goes through your mind, um, the passion, the nervous energy, the exploration of the relationship and ultimate victory in, in, in having that person say yes and you're on the same page, same team, et cetera. At the same time, relationships are rough tough and painful. Tears are shed. Feelings are hurt. Hearts are broken. Futures are crumbling in these relationships. And it's so tough. And so you put those together and you get this bittersweet realm of the world of dating. And I just will reiterate my first point again. I am glad to be on this side of marriage. And if you're married, can I hear an amen? amen. There it is. Okay. Second, that's no offense. It's just, it's better to be over here than over there. Second, um, <laughs> I am not an expert in relationships. We could just say that. Sean Farrell is not an expert in relationships. 
I'm a pretty good example of what to do wrong, okay? Uh, and anybody that tells you, follow me and just do what I did or whatever, you're typically going to be led down the, the river in the wrong direction. Um, I can't stand here and tell you that I did things the right way. I made a lot of mistakes. You can talk to Tracy after we're done. She will tell you many of those things. Um, but I am here to open the word of God, and I want to convey to you the teaching of Scripture as it pertains to relationships. And along the way, I'll do my best to complement the Scripture with examples from my own life. Typically, it will be my failures for humor's sake uh, and also to impart some level of godly wisdom to you. But you want to be careful because relationships, you cannot just listen to people that say, well, from my experience, this. Because no two relationships are the same, and, and it just doesn't work when you try to follow somebody else's pathway if it's not what the Bible has laid out. So we're going to always lean on what Scripture says first and put our own experiences and circumstances way down that list. Okay, number three on this little list. And by the way, tonight's message, just a basic smorgasbord. There's no H in that word, but it's pronounced with an H. Is that right? Smorgasbord? Smorg smorgasbord? Professor, what is it? I just he would use the H, smorgasbord. So this is a basic smorgasbord of information. You understand what a smorgasbord is? It's like just a, it's like a, um, it's like a charcuterie board, right? Although charcuterie is actually spelled with an R, charcuterie, charcuterie. It's a charcuterie. I don't know, I don't know how you're supposed to say it, but it's, do you know what that is? If you don't know a smorgasbord, it's just a, a, it's just a board full of meat and cheese and fruit, and all sorts of crazy stuff all gathered together that doesn't belong together until somebody puts it there. The bottom line is this has nothing to do with the message except the fact we're talking about a bunch of random things all put together and strung together in tonight's message. All right, number three. This message is for everyone, and this series is for everyone. Whether you've never had a boyfriend before, never had a girlfriend before, whether you're in your first dating relationship or your 15th dating relationship because I'm really good with girls, so I've had a lot of, that, a lot of girlfriends, that's, that's just bad reasoning. But, um, or whether you're just coming out of a relationship, whether you don't care about the opposite sex yet because you haven't quite hit puberty, but everybody here needs to hear this, okay? Everybody does. You study for a midterm, you practice for your sport, you play your instrument to get better, and so in the same way, it is good to look ahead and prepare for what's next in life. Some of you have no idea what to do when she comes into the room. As soon as she comes in the room, your mind goes completely blank and you say something really, ah, what did I say that? What was I thinking? Right, you do this whole thing uh, and we can help you, okay? <laughs> That's good. Some of you have been hurt really badly in relationships and you need a chance to rebuild, a chance to heal, to heal and to hear some biblical wisdom so that you can recognize not all relationships are designed. Relationships are not designed for your pain, but they're designed for your good, okay? Uh, some of you will be married very soon. We have a few, couple, a couple couples that are engaged, some that are on the road towards engagement. We've got a lot of different things happening here. Um, and some of you are just years away from that right now. The simple principle is this. This message is for all of you in all walks of life. I believe there's biblical wisdom that will help you as you seek to have relationships um, with the opposite sex. Next, number four. Sean Farrell is not your father. Zoe and Haley aren't here, are they? No, okay. I'm not your father, nor am I the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so you gotta be careful because I'm not gonna come and tell you what to do. And I'm not gonna tell, come and tell you what not to do, like your dad would or the Spirit of God working in your heart. 
So when you come to these messages, don't listen looking for permission to do things, looking for license, and don't listen looking for rules and legalism on the other side. All right, I'm going to work really hard to stay in the middle and not make exacting statements where the Bible does not make exacting statements. You're not going to hear that from me. And if you do, I'm either joking or you're probably misinterpreting what I'm saying. So just be cautious and know that I speak as best I can on behalf of the Lord from what he's written in his word, but I'm not God and I'm not your dad. Okay, so I'm just putting that out there. Next, come with an opal, opal, an opal and a humble heart. Come with an open and a humble heart. Each week that you come, uh, you should not show up thinking, I've got this all figured out. Why am I even here? This is stupid, etc. Uh, some of you guys think that you're God's gift to women, and uh, we should be talking to you because you've had two girlfriends in the past, and you've got it all figured out. Some of you are thinking right now, what does he have, talking about me, what does Sean Farrell have any clue or concept about dating? He is just an old guy. Um, who stands up here and says things that are not really that funny and thinks that they're funny, but nobody, well, they're stu- he's not very smart. What does he know about dating, right? That, that is, I don't know. So we're going to find out what I know about dating. Um, but if you come with this attitude, it's pointless because, again, it's not about what I'm saying. I'm going to do my best to point you back to the Word of God and give you the biblical principles, etc. We need to come ready to hear what God has to say about relationships and, more importantly, ready to change to meet his standard. That's the, that we see the Bible, James 1. We understand the teaching of scripture and then we seek to be doers of the word to apply it into our lives. So, what does that mean practically? I hope and I haven't prayed this yet, but I'm going to start praying that this series puts some of you together. Okay? Yes. High school seniors, we're talking about dating. It's time. Okay, you're moving into the time of life where it's like, this, this is it. It's okay now. We're not going to tell you, don't date it. You can't ever date. All right? This is, the goal is in a college ministry is that some of you would link up, fall in love, and get married. I'd love that, honestly. I, I would love that. It's happened before. It's happening right now. No, I'm kidding. It's going to happen again, okay? Um, I also am praying that this series would break some of you up because if you're in relationships that don't honor God you're not with the right guy or with the right girl then yes amen you shouldn't be in that and as you see what the Bible says with your open and humble heart would you be open to making drastic changes in your life accordingly next be here every week this is like me giving the syllabus to you be here every week like I said tonight's a little bit of a mixed bag it's a charcuterie board and it's a uh smorgasbord and I wrote down here a mixed bag. What does a mixed bag mean? I have no idea what that expression means, but there's something in the bag that's not homogeneous. Heterogeneous, different, okay. But I'm gonna be shoving a lot of different topics together. And so anyway, all right, let me get into the message. That's all the, that's all the prep. So the, the message actually starts, we're gonna answer four questions tonight um, that are just gonna help us walk down a pathway. The first question is this. Oh, let me ask, this is the, sorry. Before I give you point number one, this is just a question to get to the question. I'm a Christian, you're a Christian who's interested in dating and in marriage. Where do I go to find out what God's plan is and what I should be doing? So, number one, there we go. What are my options? That was my assumption, is that you're all looking, most of you are looking for marriage, looking for relationship. 95% of you at some point will be married. 
So number one, what are my options? Now, there's a handful of different places we could go. First off, we could go trying to find options of how to find a mate. We could start with the animal kingdom. After all, we are animals, okay? Part of the animal kingdom, we are part of the genus Homo and the species Sapien, is that right, Terrell? You were a biology major until you switched to international business. Thank you. Okay, good, all right. So we will go first to the bowerbird, the crisp bowerbird. To attract a mate, the male bowerbird builds an amazingly comp complex little structure made of twigs. So he's flying all over the place, dragging these twigs in um, and making this little kind of cave type of thing to impress the female. He brings in little pieces of stone and little pieces of glass, and he's making this beautiful little array as he goes along. The only thing that stops him from doing this in an effort to woo said female over here is he'll go over to the other male Chris Bauer birds and he will destroy their little setup and he'll come back and keep making his own. So you could do that, all right? Emperor penguins, this is your second option in the animal kingdom. They spend their lives apart from each other, from men and women, emperor penguins. They meet only once a year in late March. Um, once at their breeding site, the penguins look for their mates by making a very specific bugling call. I have no idea what that sounds like. Um, male penguins generally will stay in one place, calling out to the females. The females will come to them. Um, something will happen. You can look at that in your books. I'm kidding. <laughs> Once the egg is laid, the female penguin immediately returns to sea to feed and do whatever women do, probably do her makeup and get her hair done before, before she comes back. Now, she leaves the male without food, standing there over the egg, keeping it warm for about two months. So all the dudes are huddled together. You've seen the picture of this, right? They're all just kind of standing there. Like, wow, she, kind of, she just left us here with the kid. We're stuck. So um, in this incredibly cold and harsh environment, winds are going upwards of 100 miles an hour, and they're huddled together trying to conserve body heat. But when the female finally returns, she can find her mate and little chicky chick by listening to the bugle calls and she can figure out with thousands of these guys around which is her particular guy based on that call, which is kind of cool, right? Um, so, uh, animal kingdom. Dating can be dangerous for some males in the animal kingdom. If you take the praying mantis or the male black widow, they're often eaten. The animal themselves, the bug, is eaten after mating is complete. Some species of praying mantis, the male head has to be removed from his body to complete the mating process. So, you just have all these different examples of... <laughs> of how to find a mate in the animal kingdom. We're not gonna go with any of those today. What about a cultural example? Cultural example, we could go to Cameroon. Does anybody know where that is? Africa, are you sure? Okay, you can go to Cameroon where the wedding is arranged by the family of the daughter after being approached by an interested man. If the family accepts, the bride will be named with her price and a negotiation will begin. The price is paid to the bride's father somewhere between $100 and $200. Okay, you go to Kiev, which is where? Egypt. It is not in Egypt. <laughs> no, or in Africa, that's in Russia, um, where it's roughly the same process to find a mate as is here. The dating world is pretty similar. But 99% of all couples that get married live with their parents without a honeymoon for the next five to 15 years. That's pretty cool. You go to India, where parents negotiate fixed marriages without, without the input of their kids, which is changing and has changed in kind of the, this next generation, but is still going on there. Uh, or you could look at, culturally, you could look at what the Farrells are doing. Um, that's Sean and Tracy Farrell. 
through an arrangement that we have with John and Jill Stead, my oldest daughter Zoe was betrothed to Jackson years ago when they were just children. And Jackson's here in the back for us. Um, he chose to join us, fortunately for him tonight. Um, in order to, to protect, protect this betrothal, um, I wrote the following on Jackson's letter of recommend, recommendation to the Masters University. So recently he asked me, hey, I'm trying to go to Masters. Can you write a letter of recommendation for me? And the question that was written on the form was, please briefly comment on why you recommend the applicant. My response was this. Jackson is a stellar young man, right? He is full of integrity, drive, and creative energy. He loves Jesus Christ and politics at a lesser level. He's a very accomplished tuber and often hangs off the edge during the circle of death, holding on with only one hand. This is all important for his college admission, right, application. His father, speaking of John Stead, is one of my favorite people and is described as a pessimistic dreamer. He is a bit of a germaphobe, has great comedic balance, and recently moved to Carlsbad. <laughs> this is all relevant information because Jackson is betrothed to my oldest daughter through an informal agreement that his father and I made years ago. We anticipate this coming to fruition sometime while he is at your educational institution. If he attends masters, someone will have to keep a close eye on him to make sure that he does not entertain other female suitors." End quote. So, there's, point being, there's culturally all sorts of different ways that you can find a mate, but maybe those aren't the best. What about Hollywood? We can look to Hollywood. There's some great examples there, right? Um, you watch your favorite rom-com and then find out the person's personal life is in shambles. Your heart is literally melting, ladies, as you're watching this guy say all the right things, do all the right things. It's amazing, but his home life is just a train wreck, right? It's all an act. Before Kanye West, Kim Kardashian lasted 72 days with Clipper Chris Humphreys. That's how long her marriage lasted, and now that marriage is over. Uh, J-Lo last, was less than a year uh, before A-Rod, thank you. Drew Barrymore, 39 days. Dennis Rodman, do you remember Dennis Rodman? Played with Michael Jordan, uh, nine days in his wedding. Britney Spears, 55 hours. <laughs> Divorces, Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum, Johnny Depp, Jennifer Aniston, Ben Stiller, Bruce and Kris Jenner, we're not gonna talk about that one. Ben Affleck, Jennifer Garner, Orlando Bloom, Reese Witherspoon. Stoon, Reese Witherstoon had that problem. Um, anyway, Paul McCartney, one of the Beatles, divorced, $50 million settlement with his wife. Mel Gibson lost half of his $850 million fortune. Jeff Bezos divorced the um, CEO of Amazon and his wife got 25% of his Amazon stock worth some $35 billion in the settlement. Now there are some success stories, Julia Roberts, has been married to her husband for 21 years, which is awesome until you realize that it's her second marriage and that she met this man on the, on the set of one of her movies who then divorced his wife in order to marry Julia Roberts. When asked what is the secret to a happy marriage, she said, I don't know, kissing? So that's their advice from Hollywood. Supermodel Cindy Crawford has been married for 23 years, also was divorced one time before her marriage. Her secret, quote, tequila, end quote. David and Victoria Beckham, 24 years in marriage, that's pretty good. She said, quote, yes, love at first sight does exist. It can happen to you in the Manchester United Players Lounge, although you'll get a little drunk, so details are a little bit hazy, end quote. So I don't know that we go to Hollywood to, to figure out how to do our relationships. So let's look at the Bible and some of the examples in the Bible, because the Bible is going to lay out for us 
the model, right? It's going to show us what we should do. Let's take Esther and King Ahasuerus. So, you know the story of Esther in the Old Testament? Well, King Ahasuerus had a fight with his wife. Her name was Vashti. And she left. And so he decided, I'm going to have another wife. And he had a beauty contest in which they selected the prettiest women from around the country. And for one year, they beautified them, pampered them, and then paraded them before him before he chose one to be his wife. Esther was chosen and she became queen. Now, so ladies, we'll send you away for a year. You doll yourselves up. And they will pray to you in front of all the guys here, and they can each pick one of you, and that will be the biblical model for a relationship. What do you think? <clears throat> okay, Ruth and Boaz. How about, how about Ruth and Boaz? Ruth went to where Boaz worked. She went to his job. Uh, he was asleep. She uncovered his feet, and she went to sleep. When he became cold, he woke up, reached down to pull the blanket up, and found a woman there. Ah! And he married her. <laughs> Ladies, go to the house of a guy that you like, lay down by his feet, and see what happens. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Biblical example number three, Isaac and Rebekah. The servant of Abraham was sent to find a wife for his son Isaac. He decided to choose whoever offered his camels a drink. No camels today, but maybe you can go to the gas station. Don't just wait for a guy to say, can I pump gas for you? That could be your husband. There it is. Another biblical example, Jacob. Rachel and Leah, Isaac's son Jacob. Guys, go to the father of a girl that you think has all the right stuff and offer to work for him for seven years in exchange for his daughter or both of his daughters. I, I, who knows? <laughs> How about Adam and Eve? Adam went to sleep, sleep, woke up, and there was his wife. <clears throat> go to sleep, drift off, say, Lord, bring me my rib. That's what a friend of mine said. He literally got on his knee, took out a rib, and, and it, hanging from it was a ring and said, will you be my rib to his wife? And I'm like, I don't know why she said yes, right? Like, that's terrible. But they're married with five kids. <clears throat> what about Solomon? Solomon, 700 wives, 300 concubines. That's a little uh, out of control. Or Paul, who said, it's better if you remain even as I am. And what was he talking about? Single. So... Let's just put all this together and let me draw a point out of this. The Bible does not show a model or even a best model. You cannot look at dating or courting or betrothal or any other model and say this is the biblical way of doing things because the Bible simply doesn't give it to us. Let me say it plainly. The Bible is strangely silent on the topic of how guys and girls connect in romantic relationships. Dating is not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible never speaks of a specific method on how you should find a spouse. But many, even in the Christian world, have gotten this wrong. I read a book about relationships that gave three characteristics of the type of person to pursue. Christian, non-smoker, and no sex. That was the big, the big reveal. So the question remains, all right, number two in your outlines, what do I do now? What do I do now? Because I want to honor the Lord. I want to do what's right. I want to be in God's will and his plan for my life. And I, and I think I want to be married. So what is, what is my next step? How do I proceed? Let me give you a few overarching principles that will guide this entire series. The first one is this. It is not the process you use it is the person you are. It is not the process you use. 
It is the person you are. And we're going to spend a lot more time in the coming weeks uncovering this particular principle. God is not concerned about your list of rules of how you're going to find a spouse. He is concerned about your heart. We're so desperate for programs. Ten steps to get a guy. If you've ever found yourself at that checkout stand reaching over going, I wonder if I'm compatible. I'll just take that little quiz. Okay? Stop it. There's nothing in there for you. All right? But we want somebody to tell us what to do, to give us affirmation and to lead us in the right direction. But the Bible doesn't give you that. It tells you who God wants you to be and the character qualities to pursue in a potential mate. Okay, so first and foremost, it is about who you are. The person, you need to be a specific type of person before you find the person. Is that a fair way of saying it? All right, second point here. The world system is broken. The world system is broken. If you're looking around, trying to figure out and model what you see around you, it's not working very well. 40 to 50% of all marriages in our country end in divorce. A third of all births in the US are to unmarried women. 60% of today's teens grow up in single family homes, single parent homes, excuse me. Do you know what it says to me? Big, big broad, loud letters, the system is broken, all right? It is producing broken relationships, broken marriages, and broken people. And today's dating world is filled with shallow relationships focused on emotional attachments and physical pleasure. And so if you're going to buy into the world system that something is wrong with you if you don't have a significant other by the time you're 19 and that you have something missing and you, something's wrong, you better figure this out just because you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if you're going to buy into that, you're going to end up going down with a broken system. Because once you say to yourself, I got to follow and do what everybody else is doing, and so you rush in to get into an exclusive relationship where you share your deepest, darkest secrets. You get way too close, way too quick. You spend a, a ton of alone time together. You pull out of your friendships. You ignore the counsel of parents and mentors while you explore your sexuality and experiment with physical pleasure. And all of this is because this is what everybody's telling you to do. And this is kind of what the current is. And you're in that current going downstream. And it's like, well, I guess this is what we do at this stage in life. I, this is what I got to do. It's what's expected of me. You're opening yourself up to a ton of danger. The system is broken and God has something better for you. I'll say thirdly here, understand the purpose of dating. Understand the purpose of dating. Let me just make a statement. There is no romantic relationship in the Bible that is not in marriage or just short of marriage. You catch that? I'll say it one more time. There is no romantic relationship in the Bible that is not in marriage or just short of marriage. The chief reason to have an exclusive romantic relationship with the opposite sex is for the purpose of marriage. Any other reason you come up with to get involved romantically with another person can be answered by a spiritual friendship with someone of the same sex. If you are lonely, find a friend. If you need accountability, Get a D group. If you're bored on Saturday night, come on over here. We have plenty of stuff for you to do. It'll be mostly up here in the dirt, putting plants in, not over there on the pickleball court. Okay, number three in our big outline here. Third question. Where is my thinking wrong? Where is my thinking wrong? I'm just, I want to help to recalibrate 
our minds and our thought process. And I got a bunch of categories here that maybe you've fallen into some of these traps and I wanna help you with that. The first one, I need a boyfriend or a girlfriend to be happy. You ever thought that before? The Bible is very clear. True happiness, long-lasting peace, and satisfaction are not found in human relationships. They are found in God alone. He made you, he knows you, and he alone can fill you up. You can search the whole world over trying to find pleasure, satisfaction, and fulfillment, but it only comes from God. There are quick um, substitutes in this world that are fun and do have some level of satisfaction, but they all leave you empty and wanting more. And David said in Psalm 1611, he said this, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. What an amazing promise and an amazing statement. Ladies, I think this one is especially for you. Many of you struggle with, or I should say, some of you struggle with loneliness acceptance, desire for attention, and you feel that if only you were being held in the arms of another, you'd be made whole. You feel that you need a boyfriend to, to, to fix that problem, and it simply is not true. You need to let that go and allow Christ to fill that hole. He is sufficient, he is all you need, and he is enough. If you put a boy in the role where Christ should be, you will be disappointed when he hurts you, or doesn't provide the happiness that you expected. Gentlemen, this is a same statement for you. You potentially are pursuing joy and happiness and physical fulfillment in other ways, and you gotta be really careful because you can fulfill your flesh and recognize that that is not the joy or the plan God has for you. He has a wife for you in the future to give you all that you expect in that realm. We'll come back to that. Matthew 6.33, let's turn there. I'd love for you to open your Bibles tonight. I'm really sorry that this is kind of just an introductory message, so we're not as deep in the Scripture as we normally are, but why don't you turn to Matthew 6.33. Jesus speaking, he says there, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The first pursuit, the main pursuit, the priority, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, talking about all the temporal needs in your life will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. And the theme verse of dating right here, each day has enough trouble of its own. So the, the simple reality here, and the question that comes from this is, do you believe this? Do you believe that if you trust the Lord, do you believe that if you trust him, he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you believe or are you doubting his perfect plan because it's not in your timing because you can't see the end result of it right now? Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is, I'm not gonna say maybe on this one, but wait. I, I have a really good friend. Her name is Nikki Beasy used to be Nikki Richardson. She's going to be here in a few weeks when we teach on singleness to share her story with you. But Tracy and I met her when she was 25, and we watched her as no guys showed interest in her. She never really dated, didn't have a boyfriend, didn't even have many options. She went from 25 to 30, from 30 to 35, from 35 to 40, and nothing. A few other 
things if you don't know her. She's one of the best staff people that I've ever served with in both high school ministry when I was the high school pastor and here in Grafton when she served with us. She spent herself for the Lord. Amazing. Gave herself to her, her young women, to the girls in an undistractedly devoted way. Emptying herself out in selfless service. Godly and awesome. In addition, Nikki's beautiful. She has a great personality, an amazing sense of humor. Um, she owns a condo, or at least did own a condo, right? How many of you own property? And, uh, and she had a really good job. And she's 40, and she's waiting. And she's trusting. And then out of the blue, in drops Thomas Beasy. And the Lord brought him to our church through a missions trip, and these two connected. I had the privilege of marrying them four years ago. I danced at their wedding because I love Nikki. I don't ever dance. I washed the dog, which is this one, right, where you just get, okay? And uh, they had me in front of everybody. It's one of the most ridiculous. Anyway, but Nikki followed Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's just a great example of trusting faithfulness in the Lord and recognizing that you do not need a boyfriend or a girlfriend to be happy. You need Jesus Christ to fill that spot and pursue him with all your heart. Okay, next point here, number two. The Bible, this is something that, what's our topic here? Where's my thinking wrong? How about this? The Bible's anti-sex, anti-fun, anti-pleasure. This is the assumption that most people make about uh, Christianity and about the Bible that it's nowhere near as fun as what the world has to offer. You look at the Bible, you look at people sitting around you, nice modest clothes, boring potlucks, and it doesn't strike you as fun. And then you look at the world and what your friends are doing and what they're wearing and what they're drinking and who they're with and how they talk and how free they are to do whatever they want. They hook up, they party, it all looks so good and it has such high appeal to your flesh that you think I'm missing out on something and God is holding me back from enjoying all the fun that should be part of my life. So the question is the Bible anti-sex, anti-pleasure. Do you know that not only does God approve of sex, he literally, literally invented it. Okay, think about this for a minute. God made you and all of your body parts. He designed a man and a woman to come together and become one flesh. I'll let you go and do the life science, eighth grade deal later if you need to figure out the, the um, plumbing of it. But that, this is the sexual union of coming together in one flesh that God designed. In other words, sex is from the mind of God. If you look closely at Genesis 1, verse 28, I won't make you turn there because it's a short one. The very first command in the Bible given to man is be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And if I'm reading my Bible correctly, that looks like a command to have sex right there. He actually commands sex within the bounds of marriage. So is the Bible anti-relationship or anti-sex? Not at all, but listen, it lays down specific rules to protect you and to maximize your enjoyment, okay? And we'll talk more about that in future weeks. Next point here, this is number three, number four, whatever this is, I do not need help in my relationship. I am an expert in relationships. I don't need help. I got this. Stay away from me. I'm all good. Can I help you with something tonight? None of you are an expert in relationships. And all of you need help when it comes to this area. Open your Bibles to Proverbs 15, 22. I want you to 
circle this, underline this, memorize this. You can get a tattoo of it on your forehead or maybe right here on your bicep or ladies that can go on the little part of your ankle. Like wherever it is that you do that or right, like right there on the wrist, all those good things. Yep, perfect. Proverbs 15.22 is a good one. Written by the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. He gives this pithy proverb. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. That's a good word. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Stay right where you are there. Proverbs 1.5 says, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Are you acquiring wise counsel? You go, I, I get questions from some of you, what should I do with this job? What should I do with my finances? Should I move out of my parents' house? What about buying this car, going to school? A lot of these questions, sometimes it falls short in the area of relationships because there's something personal and intimate and transparent where you just don't want to give that away because there's such a vulnerability there. But the bottom line is that you need to find someone that you trust who knows the word of God and who cares about you enough to speak truth into your life. And you need to go and ask them for help. If you're unwilling to do this, it is one of two reasons why. Number one, you are a fool. No, no offense personally, but that's what the Bible calls you. Look at Proverbs 12, 15. Because we're still in chapter, look at chapter 12, verse 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. People that don't seek counsel, according to the Bible, are fools, okay? That's the first reason why you don't. The second reason why is because you're hiding something, all right? And this is sometimes you've even deceived yourself, but you're fearful that counsel will shut you down and force you in a direction that you don't want to go. And this is normal in relationships. You're in an accountability, discipleship relationship with an older, godlier person, and you share everything with them. And you're growing, and you're transparent with what you're struggling with. And then you get into a relationship, and your level of transparency with them begins to decrease and decrease and decrease. They're asking the same questions, showing the same love for you, and your answers are getting shorter, shorter, and, and more deflecting. Why? Because there's something in the relationship that you're trying to hold on to or trying to hide. And it's dangerous when you don't have people in your life that are older and godlier and you've opened up your life to them, you trust them, they know the word of God and they love you and you're asking them for help. And then when they finally say, this isn't looking good and they kind of shine the light into a dark corner, you respond by going, I'm closing the door. They don't love me and I'm gonna go to a different church. And I, it's kind of maybe humorous, maybe not. This happens all the time, all the time. Now they're just not loving there anymore. no. This is a group of people, our senior staff in particular, that love you, care for you, sacrifice for you, and just are trying to speak truth with love into your life. So you have to be careful. And I would just encourage you, it's great to talk to people who are your own age and get wisdom from the people around you. But remember, back at the beginning, they, you don't know anything and neither do they. So it's really good to find older, godlier, wiser people. By the way, please don't hear what I'm saying in any insulting, I'm, I'm not meaning it in that type of way. I'm just saying you're young and the Bible over and over says, go find wisdom from older, godlier people. That's it. That you don't have to make the same mistakes that, that, that your parents made or that I made or whatever. You can go to people and get help. Okay, moving on. Next one, I say this carefully, I am in love. 
This could be, what's our topic here? Where is my thinking wrong? I am in love. I, I say this, treading on this very carefully because some of you definitely are in love with some of the opposite sex. But some of you, I would say, are not in love. You are in lust. You are infatuated. Um, so much of what we define as love is really lust. And I want you to be careful because our world equates love with physical pleasure, right? It's, it, it's a physical attraction. It, it's motivates, it is motivated by the way the person makes you feel or how they look or how you look together or the emotions that you experience. And I have news for you. That's not love. That's lust. Our dating world is about emotional and physical form of love. I mean, think about it this way. Most relationships are defined. The depth of the relationship is defined by the level of physical commitment, right? Well, it's a couple, couple questions. Oh, so you're dating so-and-so. That's great. How long have you been dating? Three months. What's the next typical question? Oh, well, how far have you gone? Right, like the, it, just, it just rolls off the tongue because that's, that is how we define relationships is how deep we've gone physically. It's an emotional, physical form of love. And you've got to be careful because that's not how the Bible defines love and that's a dangerous relationship anyway. But two people who date each other want to feel that they're special to each other and the way to concretely express that feeling is through physical intimacy. It begins as holding hands, arms around each other, kissing, and then everything else that follows. You just got to be careful to define things and, and have proper expectations in that. Okay, moving on. There are no future consequences to the choices that I make today. There are no future consequences to the choices that I make today. The world around you tells you that this is your time in life. You can experiment. You can learn, you can explore, you can figure out who you are, what you like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're encouraged to, um, to explore those feelings of sexuality, to engage in as many different experiences as you can. This is today's culture. You can have what you want, when you want it. There are no consequences for your actions. And the Bible says wrong. The choices that you make today and the habits that you establish now will be with you for the rest of your life. There is a day coming when all people will answer for their actions. But if you think about this now, if you, J.C. Ryle in his book, Thoughts for Young Men, says a, a little boy can walk up to a tree when it's nothing more than a sapling and pull it out, no problem. But you give that tree 10 years and it's grown up and 100 men cannot pull it down. Such is with the habits in our life. You're doing things now and you're setting habits in your life now that will have a, uh, a consequence and a price to pay down the road. What you do today is not free. There are no, well, it doesn't hurt anybody. Everything that you do has consequence or ramification. Okay, so in Ecclesiastes 12, let's turn there because you guys are really close. Ecclesiastes, one book to the right of Proverbs. Okay, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Still Solomon. At the end of this book, he says the following. The conclusion, when all has been heard, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God, here it is, will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. What is done in the darkness will be brought into the light. And what you sow today, you will reap tomorrow. Next, my boyfriend, my girlfriend belongs to me. This is how the world around you operates, and maybe this is the way that you think about your relationships. They are mine, right? She's mine. Stay away from her. 
right? Uh, once you're in a relationship, you're off the market. Other guys can't talk to you. Other girls must stay away because you are taken. Here's the bottom line. Until you put a ring on her finger, you do not own her. It's not until after you're married that you own her. No, I'm kidding. You do not, you do not own her. You have no right to treat a girl as if she is your property until she is your wife. Then you can treat her as your property. No, I'm kidding. Again, no, it doesn't make any sense. The person of the opposite sex is not yours. They are not yours. And in a marriage relationship, it's a 50-50 union. It's not a guy up here and a girl down here. It's a 50-50 union where there are roles established by God for, for headship and submission, but it's 50-50. It's called the grace of life. It's an amazing partnership. And the other person right now is nothing more to you. Really close girlfriend, been dating for two years. My boyfriend, been dating for three years. According to the scripture, that person is nothing more to you today than a brother or sister in Christ. They are not yours. 1 Timothy 5.2 says it very clearly. It says there, don't turn, that's really short. Treat the younger women like sisters in all purity. Okay? You don't own her or him until there's one of these on your finger. Once you have a wedding ring, we are now, my wife's just sitting right over there, we are committed for the rest of our lives together. Okay? That's where it changes. Your boyfriend doesn't belong to you, ladies, and your girlfriend doesn't belong to you, gentlemen. They are brother or sister in Christ. Next, my boyfriend or girlfriend is the most important relationship in the world. Right? Ah, that's a sad reality of most dating relationships. Every other relationship that you have goes by the wayside. Now, I got it. The closer you get to marriage, the more united you become, the more that's becoming the future. Um, but it's not consummated and brought together until you're married. So every other relationship begins to suffer. And it's really sad when it happens after you've been dating for like four or five weeks. And your friend group goes, wait, what happened to Jack? We don't, oh, I didn't mean to use you, Jack. What happens to uh, Joe? That's better. Where's Joe? Where'd Joe go? I don't know, he got a girlfriend. And we haven't seen him, right? He just disappeared. You walk away from your friends, you stop talking to your parents, you distance yourself from everybody except for the one. Can I tell you what the Bible calls this? Listen up, here it is. The Bible calls this idolatry. Anything that takes a higher place in your life than God is an idol. The last verse in 1 John, can you turn there? I love this verse. 1 John 5.21, almost all the way to the end of your Bibles. 1 John 5.21, this is a sleeper verse that John throws in there at the end, and it's fantastic. He closes this little letter, and he says, Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Now, we don't bow down and worship little statues, but worship comes in many forms. And you need to check yourself because if all your conversations are about that one person, you find yourself constantly thinking about them, dreaming about them, fantasizing about them, um, talking about them, you're willing to compromise your morals and your purity for them, you spend more time with them than anybody else, you add it up, this is worship. This is idolatry. And God will have none of that. And so you have to be careful in these relationships that that dating relationship, which is important and an important part of life, doesn't become the preeminent one above all others. We'll look at this in a couple of weeks, but you have your relationship with God, 
your parents, your friends, your employers, other people at church. God has given you a variety of relationships that are all to be maintained at different levels and not to just be punted because I think I can find everything I need in this one person. That's idolatry. And the only person that can do that for you is Jesus Christ, not your boyfriend or girlfriend. Colossians 1.18 says that Christ would come to have first place in everything, not him and not her. So, yikes, I'm done. We're going to spend our time um, together this spring looking at relationships tonight. Like I said, it's just an opportunity to break the ice. I'm not going to give you 10 steps to a perfect relationship or five ways to make him notice you. We're just going to look at what God's word says about the person you are to be. And watch this. If you are the right person and you are pursuing the right things, then at the right time, God will bring the right person to you. Okay? According to his plan, not yours. Now, to give you a little heads up about where we're going, the next two weeks, we are going to look at the man to be. Next week, anyway, we'll look at the man to be and the man to find. Guys, it's a message designed about who you need to be before you find the person that you want to date. The man to be, ladies, the man that you want to find. And Morgan Maitland is with us. He's going to address the dudes next week. After the night's over, we're going to have a special time that we've entitled Fireside Chats with Morgan. So that will be our after event next week. I can't wait for it. Um, in two weeks, we're going to look at the woman to be and the woman to find. This will be ladies for you about the woman that you are to be before the Lord, before the guy. Before the guy, this is the woman that you're to be. And guys, this will be the woman that you are seeking to find. Uh, a few weeks down the road, it'll be May 1st, will be our message on singleness. And that is going to be lights out awesome. I don't care if you're married, in a relationship, never want to date. This is an amazing topic, and I cannot wait to bring what God says about singleness. Then we'll do two weeks on the wisdom of dating. Um, really just a general overview of, of wise biblical information, how to ask someone out, how to break up, things you should do, things you should definitely not do. Then we're going to be at spring camp. And then our final week, we're going to have the gathering planned right now at Rival Coffee with the mule, giving us a single one-off message from the Jedi of dating, Chris Mueller himself, on relationships. He is the boss. It's going to be a great time. All right. I'm finished. Thank you guys for coming tonight. If you want to know more about any of what we're talking about tonight, but specific about what it means to be a Christian, we would love to talk to you um, about what it means to give up your life and follow Jesus Christ. And I never want to leave any message without saying, I know there's people here who are struggling searching, hurting, trying to find answers. That's why maybe you're here tonight. And we would love to help you through any of those processes. So you can come talk to us when the night's over. Um, but before we're done, let me pray. I think we're going to sing one more song and then we're going to wrap up. Father, thank you for a chance to be together tonight. And even for the fun that we had in this message, as we look towards